Beats and Vibes Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Hal and there's Daniel and this guy Mike Eagle is there as well. Tights and Vibes Podcast. Tights and SummerSlam song. It's a SummerSlam song. I do not know the SummerSlams. I wanted to do, uh, for those of you who are not aware, because you weren't in here, I was asking what the SummerSlam theme was. Nobody knew. Don't answer on the internet. It's too late. Don't tag me, especially. We have no time machine. Rhetorical question. Yeah, this is a rhetorical. This is a, a rhetorical story. I for feel very much like it was something rap rock, but I do not remember. I'm right. sure it was. That's why we all forgot about it instantly. <laughs> yeah, it was immediately erased from our memory banks. All right, that's it. I'm googling it. No, oh, no, don't, don't, no. no. I gotta know. We can never know. We can never. That is our pact between the five of us. We will never know. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm then Hal, forever Lublin. Oh, that's great. I'm joined today mm, by my so fellow great. members of the Nation of Conversation. It's good. The Rob Van Danielle Radford. Oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah. I, like I wish I smoked enough pot to actually be able to, like, to live up to that. So, yeah. Someday. Someday, you'll someday. be holding a 900-pound weight and doing a split between two chairs. Oh, someday. And you'll be so high. So, <laughs> so, so high. high. Sound for sound, the best around, Mike Eagle. Okay. All right. You like that one? I think how, that you, how, how you, get the, you get the belt this week. Really? You get the belt. Then well, how forever? That's pretty hard. Hold, yeah, hold that's on, that's a though, good one. Because we have a special guest, a 12-year veteran at IGM, Megan Let's Go Kegan Sullivan. It's pretty good. That's really good. I give that name seven point nine out of ten. There you go. Yeah, but house gets a house gets <laughs> a nine point five. I can't fans will get that reference. <laughs> oh, I win for the week. I'm putting myself over. Welcome to tights and fights, Megan. Thank you. Excited to be here. Be, before we jump in, and there is a lot to talk about, will you tell us, and by extension, our audience, a little bit about your relationship with wrestling, how you came to it, where where you are now with it? Oh well, I have been watching wrestling since. The Undertaker's debut. Beautiful. Get so it. 1990? 1990? So actually, okay, technically, 89. that's a lie. 1991. 91. Because this was just, I started watching just after WrestleMania 7. I was a little girl, and The Undertaker legitimately scared me out of the room. You didn't come back for a whole nother year. <laughs> I, I almost didn't, man. He was legit intimidating. And then you did you stick with it from there? Have you gone through periods where? Oh, yeah, where... I've. I've been through it all in fact i was fiercely loyal to the wwe when they were having their monday night wars wrestling fans who actually appreciated wrestling liked wcw but i always loved the ridiculous cartoonish over-the-top wacky world of wrestling that belonged solely to vince mcmahon so i stuck with them through thick and thin and and i'm still here Although they've got some competition now, I have to say. New Japan has spoiled me. Mm. Mm. How did you come, as somebody who was a true and blue WWF, now WWE person, what got you into other promotions and independence and, and Japan? Well, I think it was, at first I started finally, you know, hiring more indie type wrestlers. When CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, came along, people were flipping out and I had no idea why. And mm. my friend actually had because i'm on the west coast and so we don't have access to a lot of the east coast promotions so i was very late to things like ring of honor and i didn't know anything about you know lucha style wrestling or japan wrestling and i so through my friends they got me 
into Ring of Honor in New Japan and, you know, later like Lucha Underground. Fantastic. Well, yeah. uh, we're, we're going to stay in, the, in, your, in your sweet spot today, as it were. Yeah. Because we, as I said, have tons of things to get into this week. Just like every big four pay-per-view weekend, let's start with NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Oh, my God. Four. Mike, were you there? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Tell me everything. Oh, my God. The, uh, the, the best wrestling show I've been in the house for since NXT TakeOver New Orleans. Wow. Yeah. This is fucking good. This is the third consecutive TakeOver headlined by Gargano Ciampa. Mm. Have you, so you saw Gargano Ciampa so. 2 and Gargano Ciampa 3. What was one? Where was one? One was uh, was Survivor Series, wasn't it? Well, one was technically the Cruiserweight Classic. Cruiserweight well, Classic. Okay, so we're counting that. That's one. Is that one? I thought they had a match, and then they had another match, and then they now this is their. Third I match. feel like I saw the first head to head at a takeover, which was incredible because I've never heard an an arena full of that many people collectively boo somebody <laughs> the way that Champa got that heel. He I I just never seen heel heat like that since I was a child. It was incredible. And and watching them both live, mm -hmm. did you notice, you know, one of the things they've done so well, even back to the Cruiserweight Classic and, and coming up through, is they've managed to, their, their feud is a very long memory. So when they're right. in the ring, they're constantly recalling and building off of things they've done the last time. Very do true. you get that from, from the crowd? I do, but I got to say this time, man, I feel like Ciampa's getting so much babyface heat now. It's kind of hard to ignore, and I feel like it's a testament to the fact that they've let this feud go on at least one match too long. Mm. You think it's too long? I do, because, I mean, especially now having had uh, Ciampa win, I don't even know what they do with Gargano after this. I don't know. but And especially because he seems to lose off of his own uh, overexcited stupidity. Like, I mean, <laughs> like it seems like Gargano, I don't know what happens, but he yeah. just turns into like a Muppet. <laughs> I've always taken that to be like it's part of the, like even self-consciously, he loves this person too much to hurt him, even though this person has hurt him. Because that's the only way I can make it make sense without being like, why are you an idiot? Yeah. <laughs> but for this match, I think the story was he hates him so much. He's so overcome by his hatred that that's what that's his undoing. It's mm. not that he spares him. It's that he, he has to deliver that last knee to him, like a running knee, and lay out his entire body and, and lose the match because he, he has to get a huge shot in. And, on and Chapa. I, he could have hit him with a chair. He could have done a million other things, and, but it had to be personal. And, and that's where we're left with. I mean, there was a pocket of people in the house that night chanting. After the match, they were chanting Johnny Loser. Ooh, that's, wow. that's where we are now, folks. Meg, Megan, did you watch this? Yeah, I did. What did you, what did you think about the match? And had you watched like the rest of the series or kept up with the story? So I, I, I think, as others pointed out, maybe this was one match too many. But I thought that ending, as my friend Mitch said, it's both infuriating and brilliant. Yeah, He's it was become, super brilliant. Yeah. you know, the man that he hates. And I do think I love the sort of nuanced, complicated feelings that they have for each other. They were, they were such a close tag team for so long. There's so much emotion. Johnny Gargano has, has gone off the rails. He's, he's not the man he used to be. He's gone too far. And he has to reevaluate himself and become Johnny Wrestling again. There's a whole dramatic arc here that I think could happen. I kind of want them to end it at this point because, man, he really whiffed that knee at the end. 
Yeah. And I, I don't know if this is the right reaction, but I kind of <laughs> laughed when that happened. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> like I had this whole head cannon as to hold this thing got started. You know, and don't ask me what it is because your audience will be furious. <laughs> this had the weirdest head cannon thing going on. Not our audience. Give it to us. Well, okay. Sounds like so it involves shipping. Wonder, yeah. See, I always thought that maybe Champa was jealous of Gargano's wife because she got all that attention. So this is all about getting Johnny's attention, right? It started that way, and Ooh. then it just spun out of control. Like, I was your boo, and then your boo got called up to NXT, and now I ain't your boo no more? Yeah. Like, remember how we got Glorious over? <laughs> That's true. I don't know. I just feel like there's that. Have you ever had that thing where, like, your best friend gets a boyfriend or girlfriend and you get weirdly jealous about it. Like you're not spending as much time. We're not hanging out anymore. Cause you're always with that person. It's sort of like when Millhouse gets a girlfriend and Bart kind of goes nuts over it. I feel like it's kind of that thing. I, I just want to say before, before we move on from this, that I think I truly believe the way that this has been built. This is a two year long story. Mm-hmm. This will go down in, in 20 years. People will talk about this feud as, as something well built and one of the better rivalries in the history of the industry. I would absolutely agree with that. We also have a new NXT Women's Champion after Kyrie Sane beat Shayna Baszler. Yay! Was Shayna Baszler's reign ended too soon? I know oh, that yes. seems odd to say. I feel like she should have held that belt for a lot longer. To me, uh, it being in the house, because I don't think anybody expected Kyrie to win as much as the crowd was behind her. And it was a, a, a kind of like classic face heel you know we're cheering on Kyrie but I don't think anybody actually thought she was going to win so when it happened it felt like a Shayna call up moment it felt Mm -hmm. like she was going to move on soon and but I really like Kyrie so um, there's a there's like a class of NXT citizen now that I truly hope that their deals are structured where it would be okay if they were would stay there for their entire career. There's some talents that flourish down there where like it's all about storytelling and slow builds and good matches and they don't have to like, you know, get on the mic and connect, you know, main roster style. So um, there's a ton of people who I wish, I, I hope that financially that it would work out for them to be able to stay there and she's definitely one of them. Yeah, I love her. Um, I don't know if uh, pirate from Final Fantasy is going to be something that works on the main <laughs> roster. I, mean, I want it to. Yeah. And that's a bummer. And I feel like, you know, on the main roster, they have trouble with talents who can't speak great English. I right. mean, it, it, you know, uh, and, and not to lock these two together just based on, you know, their origin or phenotype. But we, you know, when we saw Asuka this whole week, and the damn pull apart between Becky and Charlotte was the only mm. time we saw Oscar. Like yeah. somebody who was built so perfectly coming out of NXT, and it just doesn't seem like they have much to do with her right. on the main roster. Uh, the one non-title match on the card was Velveteen Dream, who got the victory over EC3. Love Velveteen Dream so much. His tights. Yeah, oh right. my God, so good. Trending, trending worldwide. Mm-hmm. Call me up, Vince. What? Yeah. What are his? Uh, what was the reaction to him live? Uh, it was good, but that match never really got on track. Unfortunately, I felt like a good match. Like, there are no bad matches at a takeover, right? No, but I think this was the worst one. I think this was the most like, it, especially in terms of people really being excited to see Velveteen Dream. Uh, and if you look at that match versus every other match on the card, this was one where it just seemed like oil and water in the ring. It never quite got on track versus the rest of the matches. Well, it feels like we've had more of a build 
of Velveteen Dream as a character than EC3. Sure. I know he's got a little mm. bit of mic time. He hasn't really been in the ring that much. Danielle, what, what's it going to take to to not build? I, yeah. like, I hate this idea of building. The guy's been working for a long time. But well, no, but that's but that's but in this I, promotion. Yeah. How do you build him up to? Because he feels like a guy who should be vying for for. He should be in the main event mix, and it doesn't feel like they've put him anywhere near that. Well, the problem oftentimes when they bring people from other promotions is they just assume that we know what they're about and we're going to cheer. And oftentimes we do because we do know what they're about. And I do like this, like I'm the one percenter. um, I liked the match. I think I liked the match probably the most out of all of us. I, I genuinely enjoyed it. What needs to happen is they need to stop leaning on the fact that people already know who EC3 is and they need to do some real character work and just showing that he has a pool means nothing. It's Florida. <laughs> Everyone has a pool. I, I don't, you know, I gotta say as somebody who's even seen him a lot in Impact, I was just never really that impressed. Like, I, I don't, he's he's the kind of guy, I don't know what you play up to get him over. Right. Like, I think he's solid. Like, he's a great worker in an overall sense, but there's nothing about him to me that, like, is, like, the special thing. You're missing a hook. Yeah, I'm missing a hook. Exactly. Megan, what would the hook be for you? How do you feel about EC3 so far since he's debuted? Uh, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say boring. I'm trying to be nice, you know. And also, he's, he's up against one of my favorite uh, people on NXT. I always find Velveteen Dream entertaining. I loved his Dream Valley driver on the apron. Mm. Kind of ending. I thought it, the, the match picked up towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it going to take? I was, uh, I don't know. You, you got to do something, though, because I actually don't know EC3 that well. So, like, I know Ricochet as Prince Puma from, like, Lucha Underground, you know, they came up at the same sort of time, both he and EC3. And I, like, I know him and he's exciting, but EC3 is powerful, but I I don't know what it's going to, it's going to have to be something interesting, though, to really make me pay attention. Because so far it's like, eh, it's all right. I agree. He needs a meaningful story to tell. We haven't gotten a meaningful story with him yet. He was thrown into the mix of a great six-man uh, match for the North American Championship. That was a really great match, and he was very good in it. But we didn't know who he was. Hmm. The, the majority of the audience didn't know him. I'm, I'm passingly familiar with him. The very What little impact I've watched, he was on, and that is the most I yeah. can say about it. Yeah, I haven't watched TNA in years. So, Although somebody's telling me the other night that their, their TNA has improved since Don Callis and What's his bucket took over? It has. Very much. I agree. Okay. I agree. It's still it's still almost disorientingly apart <laughs> from the wrestling world in, in general, <laughs> but it has got certainly gotten better. Getting to the last two title matches of the night, which both involve the undisputed era, Strong and O'Reilly retained the tag titles over Mustache Mountain, and Adam Cole lost the North American championship to Ricochet. Boy, let's start with that tag match. Mm. Jeez. Okay. Okay. Uh let me give you the insider perspective. All right, let's get it. So I got to the uh, arena right when yep. this match was about to start. Mm-hmm. I check uh, my fanny pack stuff, sure. which, you know, <laughs> people are really freaked out about security at these big buildings. They're like, what the fuck is in that third flap? They're really all about that. Yeah. And I get through and I go to show my seat geek ticket to the guy who's scanning. And he's like, beep, beep. No, it says this ticket got used already. Ooh. What? what, what? Yeah. Um, they're like, go talk to the will call office and see if there's something they could do. And I go talk to them. And they're like, uh, beep, beep. Yeah, it says it got used already. What do you want from me? You got to call SeatGeek. So I had to go outside Whoa. of the arena and get on the phone with SeatGeek and be like, hey, guys, I paid money for this thing that uh, apparently some person sold twice. Um 
So I was on the phone with them during this entire match. No, and completely oh, no. missed it. The only the only uh, reason why I didn't uh, make a big super crazy deal out of it is because I ended up getting a way better seat <laughs> through Seat Geek uh, th- through my complaining. Right. So, um, but I didn't end up seeing this match live. I saw it. Um, I ended up watching it later. Mm-hmm. On the, uh, the the telecast on the network, and I thought it was fucking incredible. Honestly, yeah. to me, the Undisputed Era is like my favorite thing happening in the WWE universe yeah. on all shows included right now. Um, I just I love a dominant faction. I love yeah. a cocky heels. I, I love people playing belts like guitars. It's all it's all <laughs> it's all there for me. And and that match was just insane. It was great. Yeah, they're, they're fantastic. I, it. Uh, they're they're that's like a group of guys that you don't want to see brought up to the main roster because you're just waiting to see WWE fuck it up. Exactly, they're bringing him in as faces or having him come in and lose a bunch. Like they, they've been played so well in NXT and they're all so talented. I'd almost rather the faction stay in NXT and an individuals move up. You know what I mean? Like oh, something like, like that. Like a Bullet Club thing. Yeah. yeah, something like that rather than, you know, them try to... Because all those guys are, you know, main roster, quote-unquote, undersized, mm-hmm. and they do really, really well in this, like, NXT environment, which is basically copying the indie space that they came from. They are killing it. Do not fuck with that. Well, and it's also, like... If you move when when these guys all eventually get moved up to the main roster, they're just gonna like look like every other dude. Like all at this point, you know, maybe it is maybe somebody got to start dyeing their hair or something because there are just a bunch of like under six foot, under two hundred pound dudes who are all like these pale brunettes, Mm. (laughs) and they're gonna start running together, like just in people's brains. I don't like when people are like, I'm going to change my look because we all kind of look alike. Because then it just doesn't feel motivated by anything. It's just like, oh, that guy's bleached now. Okay, but as someone who gets onst- like constantly mistaken for either Nicole Byer or Dulce <laughs> Sloan, yeah, sometimes you change your fucking look because you want to get booked. <laughs> that is a real motivation. I understand. <laughs> I'm trying to get money. Okay. I want to get this shmoney. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, now that... Uh, now that Ricochet has the North American title, is that a title you'd want to see defended on NXT programming outside of takeovers a lot more? Or does it, because it feels like it has rarely been on television, mm. at least in a wrestling mm. capacity. It appears because Adam Cole has been on TV. But I, I don't know how many times he's defended it. He hasn't. This is, this his first is the defense. first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is his first defense. So is this a title that should get a little bit more airtime? I imagine they will likely do uh, do it how they've been doing with main roster championships lately, where when heels have them, they're not defended much, but the first thing the babyface says when he wins the title and he's on television is how I'm he's a, a fighting, fighting champion. champion. Exactly, no. and, and I'm going to open it up to any jackass in the back who's ready to come bring it. You know, like, <laughs> I'm sure it'll be that kind of thing, with, but less verve because Ricochet doesn't talk like that. I, he just doesn't. He does. He's from Paducah, Kentucky. What you going to do? I don't know. Go to the Paducah County Fair, <laughs> which is a real thing. Do 900 flips into the ball pit. What yeah. else was he doing? What else was he doing? Yeah. <laughs> he was doing a 630 onto deep fried Snickers bars. <laughs> I would pay money to see that. He won the county fair prize for most abs. <laughs> Yo, he's still eight, winning that what prize. Is it, like an eight, an eight pack or something? Yeah, he's got eight. At he least, might have a strong 12. County. The only yeah. person who could possibly have more ab muscles is our producer, Julian Burrell. Julian, Julian. can you show us? Th- you show is us, it Julian? true that the presidential fitness challenge was canceled because you exist? 
and they know like there's now a standard we can't meet anymore. Is that true? It's just unfair. Sleeves are going to rip off, for goodness sakes. If you've got any thoughts on what we've discussed so far, let us know about them at facebook.com slash group slash tightsfights and at tightsfights on Twitter and Instagram. After the break, SummerSlam and the fallout from Raw and SmackDown. That's up next on Tights and Fights. Come on and slam and welcome to the gym. Beloved Maximum Fun Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation, is going out on tour. We are bringing Greatest Gen Con to a bunch of cities in the U.S. and Canada. It's our big tribute to slash send up of Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. And we have a big leg coming up. Yes, we are raising our legs on a number of cities <laughs> in the coming weeks. We're going to Washington, D.C. on August 23rd. The Bell House in Brooklyn, New York on August 24th. Mass Mocha in North Adams, Massachusetts on August 25th. Pittsburgh on the 28th. Boston, Massachusetts at the Wilbur Theater on the 29th. Atlanta, Georgia at the Earl on the 30th. Ferndale, Michigan at the Magic Bag on the 31st. Those are some great big rooms and some great big cities, Ben. And it's a really fun show. It's accessible even if you haven't listened to the podcast yet. We can't wait to see you when we're out on tour. Check greatestgencon.com for dates and ticketing information. And Khan is spelled K-H-A-N because Wrath of Khan. Greatestgen, K-H-A-N.com. I can't hear I myself, this? but I'm I assuming These are real podcast listeners, not actors. And hey, thanks for coming. Here's a list of descriptors. What would you choose to describe the perfect podcast? I mean, vulgarity. Dumb. Definitely dumb. And like, uh, right here, this one, meritless. What if I told you there was a podcast that did have all of that? No. Jordan, Jesse, go. And it's free. Jordan, Jordan Jesse, go. go. Jordan, Jesse, go. Jordan, Jesse, go. A real podcast. Tyson and Fights Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Loveland. I'm joined today by Danielle Radford and Michael Eagle and Megan Sullivan. Yes. Sorry, yes. I was. I heard somebody scream outside. And I was like, Is somebody on fire? <laughs> <laughs> it's LA. There's like, always huh, somebody on fire. That could be problematic. You know how it is. There are always people on fire running up and down Hollywood Boulevard chasing their yeah, dreams. Look, it's not my problem. I don't care. I was just. I was just curious to know what was going on. <laughs> you were immediately like, I have to protect all my water. What yeah, if this on fire person true. comes? This burning person yeah, shows up at the like, door. If, there, if there's a fire breaking out, man, I got to grab my PS4. I got to grab my laptop. Yeah. I got to grab my Switch. She saw a Switch. I want to know what Switch game she's playing. Yeah. Like, you open this can, how? I didn't open the can. The can was open. I feel like you opened the can. I might have opened the can. <laughs> a can of whoop ass. A can of whoop ass. And a, it's a can of SummerSlam. We're going to talk about it right now. It's WWE's second biggest event of the year, which ended when Roman Reigns, at long last, beat Brock Lesnar. <laughs> That's a strong boo. The universal title. Now, hold on. I have been maybe the most vocal of all of us. Definitely the most vocal of all of all this. How much I have disliked the way that Brock Lesnar has been booked throughout this reign. And... Look, if you're out there saying this is how they planned this story to be told, bull and shit to you. But they figured out a way to bring the story to a satisfying conclusion. They were able to 
hold off from a ton of heat on Roman Reigns by bringing Braun Strowman out and then make Lesnar even more of a heel by taking Strowman out. And then that is the reason why he totally meets his downfall. The storytelling made sense. I liked it. They they got the fuck out. They didn't do mm. like a Royal Rumble where they brought the rock out to try and make people <laughs> like Roman Reigns. It felt like a satisfying conclusion to this story. Does everybody agree or disagree with that? I'm with it. It was tight. Yeah. Uh, I was there again for the second night. And um, <laughs> and and there was a palpable tension in the arena as this right. match started. As people were like, oh, shit, where's the beach balls? Like, where's where's it happening? <laughs> um, and then bronze music hit and everybody was like, fuck, yeah, something's going to happen. And then even though it didn't happen, it, it was it was just enough to make it okay. I think the show ended just a tad awkwardly because I think that the uh, expectation was set that Braun actually would cash in after the match was over. Right. So even though um, Brock beat the holy hell out of Braun, we were still halfway expecting mm. for him to do it or not do it or something rather than the mm -hmm. show just ending. But um, nobody was was really unhappy with Roman winning <laughs> like because I think we were all ready to move on from Brock. So I, for one, was definitely glad that that's what happened. Speak for yourself. I uh -huh. am. Yeah, Megan, weigh in. Where where were you on Brock's reign, and how did you feel about this match? Because I feel like we're about to get into it, and I love it. I, I just, okay, before we say anything, can we just talk about the way that Lesnar launched that briefcase? That was impressive. It was beautiful, mm. yes. That was, that was a hell, if he'd gone into the audience by accident, it would have killed somebody, but... As it was, it hit the big Titantron, and it was really cool. Uh, I was just really, like, I understand from the marketing point of view that the WWE probably did exactly the right thing. So as soon as this match was settled, I was like, oh, he's going to win. And then mm. Strowman comes out, and I'm like, oh, forsooth, our hero. <laughs> oh, my white knight. Oh, wonderful. And, you know, I thought that at one point, maybe he and Lesnar could team up and just beat the holy hell out of Reigns. SummerSlam is my favorite, normally my favorite pay-per-view of the year, and that would have made me so happy that Strowman walks away with a belt and just towers over everyone. I really wanted that. Well, let's talk about the next night then. So he beats Balor. Very good match. It was a very good match. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you know, look, Balor's not somebody that Roman Reigns needs to make, but I do give Roman Reigns a lot of credit as a big guy. He does a very good job of making his opponents look good. He's a good fucking wrestler. Yeah. yeah. But now we've established the story of Strowman's going to come out and cash out every time Roman Reigns wrestles. However, when he tries after that match, we get the reunion of the shield. Hmm. Uh, uh, Daniel, big smile. Daniel, so big smile. Are they heels now? Fanny. Fanny. I don't, I'm I'm sorry. I get Fanny. it. I know it's the shield. <laughs> I know everybody's excited to hear Sierra Hotel India Echo Lima Delta shield. Fanny. Like, we're all thrilled. Fanny. And we hear that music. Fanny. One of them put on the flash jacket. Fanny. Other one didn't have time. That was weird. That was weird. Did Dean forget his flash jacket? I think Dean was like, yo, I've been working I on this torso. I've been this. working on this torso. you about to see this whole titty right now. Yo. That's, that was that was Dean's. Dean is definitely position. like, I got a half rack and right. y'all are appreciating this. This is a lot of goddamn. I'm not work. carrying no fake grenades but, on this yeah, rack. He transformed himself. His hair is greasy hair is gone. Yeah. Oh, he looks Going so good. Up that bod. He so Braun Strowman is a baby face. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
guess. A conquering baby he's face. He's a conquering baby he only face. Beats up, he's only been beating up heels for mm-hmm. a while now. Right. And he came out and he's like, I'm going to face you. Face. Like he did like the most baby face thing. thing. Yeah. I, I'll, fa- I'll beat you face to face. You're going to know I'm coming because I'm that good. How did you guys feel about him squashing Kevin Owens, though? I mean, my thing is this. There's performers who I love and beyond anything that they did better by. But then, I don't know, I kind of just look at the booking from week to week to determine how creative Mm -hmm. is feeling about these people. And and I tend to try to adjust my expectations accordingly. So where I do think Kevin Owens is probably, if not one of the best overall performers in the company, and I wish that they would remember that when they're writing storylines. It certainly seemed like they've been writing him to be a chicken shit, powerless character for the last couple months so yeah it's weird with owens because he's one of those people where it's like i know if he has half a chance he'll be able to redeem it Mm -hmm. but it's also like um you take it for granted and there's only so many times you can take someone for granted until it's like oops and now your fave's a jobber yeah when did that happen let's let's go back though to the shield for a second and uh seth rollins who's who successfully regained the intercontinental title from dolph ziggler in the opening match it was a great match it was a really great the, – the thing I loved about this ev- about this event, and I, I know some friends of mine were disappointed because they expect things to get shaken up because it's a big four. Hmm. But I thought this was maybe the best pay-per-view they've done all year. And the reason why is everybody went out there to have the best match of the night. They try, Everybody tried to, it seemed like. And they, sure. mm-hmm. they set a very high bar in that first match that got, that got met or exceeded a couple times. It's too, you know, I just wish it wasn't so many goddamn matches, but they were all attempting to, to like, none of the matches were like, okay, we're the filler match. Like, everybody was like, we're going to go out there and try to steal the show, for yeah. sure. And I felt mm-hmm. the weight of how long it was, but I never wanted to turn it off. Right. Megan, how, how, do, you, how do you fare in a four-hour pay-per-view? Well, okay, let me just start off by saying some of the endings were a little wonky and some of the things that happened, like, I'm not really sure about the whole Elias bit. Where, like, his guitar yeah. broke, and, yeah. and then, like, I was like, was that supposed to happen? I'll tell you, in, in the crowd, like, we had no idea. Yeah. We had no it was idea. super gimmicked, but, I like, there was no follow-up on it. Yeah, that was, like, that was weird, and then, like, it just had a lot of goofy endings that, you know, like, that New Day match on SmackDown, that's what I wanted to see at SummerSlam. Like, yeah. that mm-hmm. was super awesome to mm-hmm. watch. Like, and, that was great. And to that point, I don't think there's any good reason to have dragged that out another two nights. They yeah. could have had that match, you know, with... You know, Biggie involved. They could have had that match oh, well, Sunday night. Uh, I guess yeah. it's because um, Rowan is hurt. Rowan's hurt. Yeah, yeah. They, they probably weren't planning on putting it on the new day Sunday night. They just realized with Rowan hurt, they needed to get a match out of the way and and swap those titles around. Let's let's talk about AJ and Samoa Joe. I've been pretty vocal about how much I dislike the build to this one, but I do think the match paid it off. And used it to further the story. Because, you know, you want the issue to be between the two guys, not one dude going, your wife wrote me a letter (laughs) that I'm going to read. But in that match, which was a really great match, it ended right after Samoa Joe said this. Hey, Wendy, I made you a promise. Daddy was coming home. (laughs) It looks like he's not, but I'll be your new daddy. AJ Styles goes fucking crazy and hauls off on him. They said he won, but he lost by DQ. Right? They, yeah, I, he should have. Yeah, the announcers are like, AJ Styles, who defeated Samoa Joe. No, the fuck, he didn't. He got disqualified. And they even turned it into a great moment with 
his wife, who's not an actor, and his daughter, who's definitely not an actor. Yeah, she turned heel on him right down the spot. Daddy, you're bleeding. Daddy, you're bleeding. (laughs) Poor little girl. She's probably all traumatized now. You're bleeding. And also, I never see you. (laughs) Have her talk to Noel Foley. She'll be fine. Oh, my gosh. My God. I just Can we get some audio of just... Just a clip of Samoa Joe just saying, I'll be your daddy now. And yeah, just, that'll be your ringtone? Yeah. I like it a lot as well. Before well, I go to bed. Here, here's what Joe said on Tuesday. Oh, Wendy! Oh, my God. Destroy <laughs> me, Joe. It seems like we're making a lot of promises tonight, including one to come home and tuck in the kids. But guess what? Daddy's already done night-night. Mm. I love that. That's fantastic. God bless both of those men. I have not seen a Samoa Joe AJ Styles match before the one I saw at SummerSlam. I, I'm aware oh. of their history, but I have because all that stuff happened in TNA, mm-hmm. and I, that six-sided ring drove me fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I that couldn't. Distracting. Yeah, I couldn't. I, like all the, the whole time, I'd be like, but the ring is shaped wrong, and it would <laughs> completely pull me out of whatever was going on. They could have been curing cancer in the middle of that ring, and I would have been like, why are there six sides? Boo, change the channel. I'm going to go watch QVC. Maybe there's a blender I'll like. But this was like they were putting on a match, the kind of match you would have expected from the two of them. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yes. Thank goodness. Finally, for once. (laughs) Write it down, Julian. It happened. Please. I also love this is the beginning of a series between the two of them. What what more can I expect as someone who is not as familiar with their other matches? I think we can expect them storyline-wise to push each other yep. into, into finding new depths as characters. I think Samoa Joe will push AJ into finding some new edge. Not that Samoa Joe can't be pushed because he's already fucking perfect, but you know maybe the feud elevates him in the eyes of creative, and they know they can they can put a lot. On yeah, because he's already athletic as fuck. But I think when you put him against someone like AJ, you really get to see like, oh, he can go like nobody's business, and he is hanging, not just hanging, but they are like pushing each other to greatness. Right. Um, and I think with someone like Samoa Joe, same thing with Kevin Owens, because of his size, people are automatically they just count how incredibly fast and athletic they are. Yeah. Hundred percent. I'm I'm very excited for more. How do you feel, Megan? Did you feel like the build to this match was odd with the with the family stuff, or did it make sense to you? I did think it was odd. I, this is gonna sound strange. I thought if it wasn't Samoa Joe doing what he did, it would have felt a little try hard. Like, hey, we have to get the audience invested. <laughs> but I have to say, Samoa Joe is like, all right, I'm gonna take this and run. And what I really like about this pairing is there's real chemistry there. You know, it's a little frustrating when you get something like, I don't know, Corbin Balor, and you're like, why am I watching this? Why are you doing this? (laughs) But then the demon Balor comes out, and it's a squash match, and everyone goes home happy. But for this, it's like, it's everything you want. You know, it's a a kind of a lame buildup, but you have people who know how to sort of spin that into gold. You have two really great athletes that work well together. So if this feud keeps going... I'm not going to get tired of it right away. You know, it, it right. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, also, follow-up question. Would you call Samoa Joe daddy? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He can be my sugar daddy anytime. That is that quality Tyson Fights content, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about Corbin and Finn Balor very briefly. Sure. Uh, were you guys excited to see? I, I, I notoriously do not care about the demon. Uh, <gasps> and I, How dare you? Here, here's, uh, here's why. Is there's no right, like... He doesn't do anything different. He just has makeup on. He does the exact same. His I disagree. Is exactly the same. 
How Tell, dare you? What He's does he my do sexy anime cat boy, <laughs> and I will not have you say bad things about him. I've just, got his little pop vinyl right here in my hands. Help me then. Help me. I don't like the wig. <laughs> Let me the just say is. that. I love, I love, I love the demon. Yeah. Don't like the wig. The wig's weird. You don't like the wig? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I think it's. I think it's so bad it's good. It's like a car wash came to life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that part I could do without. You know, like, if you're going to give him a wig, give him, like, a high-quality wig of some yeah. sort. I will say, I know this is diverging, but I got to give some props to um, Alicia Fox's wig this week. It was mm. the best I've ever seen it. It looked amazing. The last time we saw her on TV, she had a hat made out of a bunch of flowers and uh, a half-on jacket. And I was like, I love you. <laughs> you're you're right? amazing. Yeah. What, what is... she, she came out looking like a cosplayer, and was I was like, great. I'm not that. I just have a proposal very quickly for Jeff Hardy's feud with Randy Orton. The loser of their match has to have their face power washed and can't wear contacts anymore. How does everybody <laughs> feel about that? How does everybody feel about that? Just That's as a perfect. Okay, great. So we can get that fucking cake makeup and those those goddamn contacts out of Jeff Hardy's eyes. I don't like well, that. It's the paint. No, well, I guess it's the contacts and the paint. It's bad. They're all. It's all bad. It's got like it's three, all three layers of weird eyes. It was especially disorientating yeah. at SummerSlam because Hardy came out right after the Demon Balor match, and I was like, ah, makeup and paint and weirdness yeah. everywhere. What's going on? And then we yeah. got and then we got Demon Ronda Rousey shortly. Yeah, after see, that. and he oh, and, and Matt's very... like <laughs> Road Warrior Rousey. <laughs> yeah, it's a question. Uh, about the Legion of Doom song. Do they hate her? Does the makeup team not like her? I don't think she can. Because there's a way. I, I think yeah. she just does her own. Or thing. she has her own makeup. Because there's yeah. a way to do a lot of those looks that she does where it would still look good, but none of them are the ways that she's choosing to do them. Her you... eyeliner was all wrong. Yeah. I mean, I know bad. that's not the point. I mean, her, the point is her her skills in the ring, but like her eyeliner looked like she was trying to do liquid eyeliner and just. We wouldn't even have thought about her eyes if they didn't put paint on them. Suddenly, yeah. you know, we yeah. wouldn't we wouldn't have been looking at them that way. How, how yeah, did you like her know. match? I thought the match was great, and and the, and the crowd it felt felt awesome, just felt yeah, you good. You know, squiggity squash, but that's kind of like yeah, like Alexa has been this like cowardly heel champ for so long, um, so to have someone just be like, no, I'm just going to destroy you for seven minutes or however long it was, um, and then just be done with it and then break your arm. Yeah, that's it. Feels right for right. both characters. I loved her I sling on Raw, by the way. That was yeah. awesome. The pink, the pink sparkly. Spink. I like Spink better. The pink <laughs> sparkly uh, arm uh, brace. Yeah, that was pretty cool. The sling. Man, I can't talk today. <laughs> I, it's, okay. it's not even. It's not even cocktail time, and I'm already slurring my words. <laughs> it's always cocktail time. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's let's talk about Charlotte beating Carmella and Becky for the SmackDown Women's Title, and more significantly, Becky Lynch attacking Charlotte post match. This is what. <laughs> Bailey and Sasha Banks was supposed to be 900 right. years ago hmm. when, when that was hot. Now they just had to hit the reset button and they're friends again. No sign that they're not going to get along anymore. But this yeah, this they built in like four weeks. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was brilliant. And it's the, probably one of the better motivated heel turns ever, which is why the crowd is still on Becky's side. Yeah. Yeah, the crowd is definitely on her side. And I'm not sure the WWE anticipated that or not. I right. want to say no, but not sure. And they doubled down on not anticipating it Yep. on SmackDown, which was just crazy to me. I mean, being in that arena when she turned, that was the biggest pop of the night. 
Like, hands down. Yeah? I mean, yeah, you big, could hear it. Biggest pop into an extended, unprovoked yes chant. Like, because mm. everybody in that arena wanted Becky to win that match. Right. It's Becky's, like, it's not even about, like, turns. It's just, it's her time. She has been constantly and consistently, even when she's won these big things, overlooked as, and even, like, even with how much they've messed up Bailey, I still feel like they did a better job with Bailey than they did with Becky. It's her time. And I love Heal Becky. Oh, God, I love Heal Heal Becky. Me too. I met Becky this weekend, and, um, wow. (laughs) That's That's an intimidating person to speak to. Really? Why is that? Why? Well, just because she is who she is, like, as a performer, and she's super fucking cool. Ooh. Um, and, and, and yeah, and she's she's amazing. Who else? I thought you were going to say she's super fucking hot. Well, yeah. she is, but that goes without saying, I felt like, <laughs> like that part was kind of implied. Who else, who else did you meet? Uh, I talked to Corey Graves uh, and Samoa Joe and Mark Henry and Tom Phillips and Charlotte a little bit. But it's big up to Kelk. Kelk made all this happen. Kelk made nice. all this happen. Yeah, so nice. Shout yeah. out to Kelk. Kelk's got some great stories from SummerSlam. She's been texting me yeah. all kinds of tea that I will let her tell because they're not my stories. I don't know which ones she would want to tell. <laughs> That's what, real. What did Tom Phillips uh, have to say about his boner? Any news there? <laughs> Nothing, but I was looking down, down to make sure he was flasted while we were speaking. <laughs> Good idea. I just wanted to make sure <laughs> well, I wasn't in any danger. I mean, four He'll hours. You later. <laughs> we were very high up on the building, so I don't know if the air pressure would have gotten to him or something. <laughs> my penis is being strangled <laughs> by the air. <clears throat> That's what he sounds like when he's not on camera. All right, finally, let's talk about The Miz and Daniel Bryan. What a fucking match. It's a great match. It's so good. It's really, really good It was so good. And the SmackDown segment after it was also so good. They had a very unenviable job, which is to go out and perform a match that people have been waiting for yeah. for two years yep. mm-hmm. really since that I mean I know that there's a ton of history there and it was always a, you know they always put on a good match together but people have been waiting for this match since that moment mm-hmm. when on that talking smack mm. and they delivered they delivered a fantastic match and Daniel Bryan did not have to carry the Miz the Miz was on his heel mm-hmm. his heel best I can't say enough great stuff about both of those guys and the story they told and the match that they worked it was i don't i don't know what more i could have wanted out of that match how how did the three of you feel yeah no i totally agree with you i thought that it was a great match um i knew that i wasn't going to be disappointed honestly like the thing was that i think was the most the thing i was afraid of the most was it was going to be like it's going to be really, really good, but it's going to be very paint by numbers. I know what's mm. coming. I was worried that it was like, it's good, but I'm going to expect it. And I didn't. Like, there were there were tons of things where I was like, didn't see that, didn't see that, didn't see that. Um, that was just, they're just two of our best fucking workers right now in any, you know, federation or promotion or whatever. Um, they're just really good. And when you get two people who are that good together and you have all of this history and a great buildup, you can't lose. Except that you can, and they have several times, so I'm glad they didn't this time. <laughs> and I think my only concern really leading up to this match was it felt like that it was a little like underpromoted and not mm-hmm. quite treated as special as a, as a feud, like you said, that we've been waiting for for years. But I feel like the fact that it's continuing on 
and they're going to have more matches and the stretch this out gives it you know the proper reference that it deserves i just hope that at some point brie takes an acting lesson or four or five it was one of her better mic performances on smackdown or on the pay-per-view because on the smackdown because that that back in the back and when (laughs) diane bryant was stewing in the loss and she came and tried to comfort him i was like oh boy that is that's not believable talking megan what do you think so the good news is i totally agree i thought the match was great i love watching daniel bryan's strikes mm. they're always vicious looking right? they're always cool to watch good solid wrestling and great acting performance by miz i actually like his wife's acting too i think she's a oh lot of my fun Lord. yeah and uh but i've not gonna oh, lie. As soon as Bella got involved, I was like, "No, I don't." Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. I have to say it. I do not like the Bella twins. I've never liked the Bella twins. I will never like the Bella twins. As soon as they're like Bree's getting involved in, you know, what is the Hell in Cell match? I was like, "No." Yeah, I kind of, I, I, I felt, no. a, I felt a, a way a, akin to that as well. Like, I want to see more uh, Daniel Bryan and Miz. And and I think the inclusion of their families is a great thing for emotional context, but it does expose like, you know, I I do think Maurice is I don't you know she's a little bit it feels a little bit more natural when she's involved. It feels like she seems to have a lot of legit fun with it. Like yeah. I sometimes yeah. see her trying not to laugh because she's having so much fun, and I I love watching her like try not to laugh. Like she try to be serious, and then every once in a while she'll crack a smile, and I'm like, you're having so much fun. Like she and her husband, the Miz, they have fun. You know, whereas I, I don't know. It's like I, the Bellas just rub me the wrong way. I don't know what it is. They just bug me. Do you think this feud ultimately needs a title involved somehow? No, I, I just think it needs to end with Daniel Bryan eventually winning. Hmm. I concur. But I want this feud to continue for a while because it's really fun to watch. But eventually, I, I think they need to go their separate ways. That's my hope is that not too long and that. Brie Bella and Daniel Bryan the win at Hell in the Cell and maybe Brie will surprise me and get some really cool moves in hmm. well that does it for Tights and Fights we are a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network this week our hosts were Daniel Radford Mike Eagle and Megan Sullivan along with me Hal Loveland Megan thank you so much for taking the time to join us please tell everybody out there where they can find you what they should be watching reading listening to the floor is yours all right, so if you enjoyed my awful headcanon, please follow me on Twitter at Megan underscore IGN, M-E-G underscore IGN. I'm always Twitch streaming at Celtic underscore Queen. Instagram is also Celtic underscore Queen underscore Meg. And that's about all the promotion I can think of for now. If there's more, I'll tweet it out. But uh, thanks for having me, guys. I know I took you on a weird, wacky journey. With anime and video games and no, all please. that good stuff. No, we didn't go deep enough. <laughs> no, we got to no, have no. you on a special yeah. you come uh, back. anime yeah. and video game uh, wrestling analogies episode. That exactly. has to happen. Uh, well, I'm about to get Fire Pro Wrestling. That's coming my way. So I'm going to see if I can combine oh, yeah. like half of these things. Word. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, for those of you out there in the Nation of Conversation who are going to be in Atlanta, Georgia, next weekend, Labor Day weekend for Dragon Con, I'll be there. Come say hi. I'll be on the Walk of Fame. I'm doing a bunch of panels. Uh, let me be part of your world and come be a part of mine, even part for a brief moment. Uh, Mike, Danielle, what, what's going on? Um, you know, 
just the usual. Find me on uh, at Danielle Radford on Twitter and then Danielle underscore Radford on Instagram and important things I will let y'all know. Oh, I am going to be launching my Patreon. I think this week or next week should have some stuff in there that y'all would be super interested in. So follow me on those things and buy my stuff. Uh, I got a bunch of <laughs> tour dates and shit I'm announcing soon. Um, but one thing I will shout out is the Adult Swim Festival that's happening here in LA, October 6th. And I will I will be shouting other stuff out very soon. Yay! Fantastic. Our producer is the Diamond and the Buff, perfect name, <laughs> Julian Morrell. Oh, he, he writes this. He, he knows. knows. He knows. He knows. Senior producer of Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music as well, so we're putting him over for that. Keep up with us all week long at facebook.com slash group slash tightsfights and at tightsfights on Twitter and on Instagram. And if you love the show, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts and share us with all your friends. Thank you so much to all the Maximum Fun members who have a portion of their monthly recurring contribution coming towards this show and keeping the lights on while we're here. We do appreciate it. You help make the show possible. We'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. Tides and Bites Podcast. Tides and Bites. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.